I'm Paul Kemp, and this is the App Guide Podcast. So this is the show that tries to cut through all the bullcrap that the media is spinning you in terms of the success and the chances you have in gaining success. Really try to give you a sense of how hard the whole startup scene is, especially when it comes to app entrepreneurship. And we're now getting close to almost 500 episodes. And so in this episode, I wanted to revisit a past guest. Uh, They have every chance of success. Uh, It's the story of SUP by Rich Pleath. Uh, He's an ex-Googler. He's the reason why you're using Google Chrome. He's CMO of uh, Get Taxi in the past. He's worked with L'Oreal. He's got a a fantastic uh, profile. I think he won the Young Marketer of the Year one year. So everything is lined up for success. He raised uh, about $800,000 and so listen to the story as it unfolds, the story of SUP, the story of Rich Pleath, the founder of SUP. So you're obviously welcome to go back and listen to episode 405 of the App Guide podcast. Of course, you can get that by going to theappguide.co or you can go back uh, through your uh, archives on your podcasting app. It's episode 405, Rich Pleath, the founder of SUP. And Rich Pleath is the man who's responsible for getting Chrome on our laptops and the spread of Chrome. Uh, he was successful at Google. Uh, he was the CMO of Get Taxi and worked for L'Oreal. So I actually started my career at L'Oreal, which is uh, why I have such great hair, um, thanks to their uh, wonderful products. Um, and then I was uh, I did one of their first digital campaigns. So we, we were using YouTube. And um, a few weeks after I did that campaign, I got a, a LinkedIn email uh, from a recruiter at Google asking me if I'd like to come and interview at Google. And I said, um, I'd love to. So I went down to Google and I interviewed there and I managed, after 12 interviews, managed to get a job at Google, which was great. And I launched um, Google's first Go Mobile initiative. So it was really encouraging brands to to go mobile if they should go uh, with a mobile um, web application or they should actually get it an app Um, which was really, really interesting. I then moved off to go and lead Chrome marketing in the UK. So myself and my team, we managed to get Chrome to be the number one browser in the UK. We then launched Chromebooks. And I was also responsible for Doodles in the UK. So how the the Google homepage changes with with various different things. He always, in the episode you'll hear, he always wanted to do his own thing. That's why he left a successful career and went to start a startup. So his app is SUP and the story behind it, as you'll hear in the past episode, is that he was sitting in an airport, I think it was Boston, and he was flying out somewhere. He had spare time and he uh, did fly out and missed the opportunity of meeting someone who he would have really enjoyed having a quick coffee with. And he realized that there are so many opportunities where we could potentially encounter people where we have some spare time, we're within walking distance and we could have a coffee with them to talk about business, to talk about opportunities. So he built this from his vision uh, and it's called SUP. Uh, and the idea is that uh, you would be alerted on the app uh, to whenever anyone is within walking distance of you and if they're available for a, uh, a coffee. And so it was a great idea and he then raised $800,000 to start this idea off.
And I、um, did 74 flights in 2014, which is a lot of flights. I was always in a new city or a new place every day. And、um, what I found was、um, I would always、uh, miss my friends. And so I'd check in on Facebook, hoping that a friend would say, Hey, I'm also in Madrid or I'm also in JFK, let's grab a drink. And it would happen an awful lot,、um, but it would always happen two hours or two days later. And it would never be instant. And people don't use Find My Friends because you can stalk people. And stalking people is really fun, don't get me wrong. But being stalked <laughs> is not so fun. And so、uh, we came up with SUP, which is a, a beautiful, seamless experience to see your friends more, but without the creep factor because we don't have maps. So you can't actually tell if someone's、um, you know, their exact location. You can just see if they're in your area. So, SUP showed people、uh, which friends were within five or 15 or 25 minutes walk from you. And then people could SUP you. That means that they could actually let you know that they are nearby and they want to hang out with you. And it was endorsed by、uh, Richard Branson. And、uh, he's, he's actually said it was one of the UK's hottest social apps. And so, even Apple co founder Steve Wozniak, who hopefully is going to be helping out with the launch of an app that I'm involved with soon,、uh, he said that、uh, as an app, He just had to download it. So, lots of endorsements, and obviously, there was a big problem to solve. My job, I, I'm a total generalist, okay? I'm not, I'm not particularly focused on anything. I am a generalist, and my whole thing is I have a brilliant CTO, I have, a brilliant, I have brilliant iOS developers, I have a brilliant UX designer, and I have a brilliant head of growth. But when they have a problem, or they can't get through to something, or they need something, that's where my job kicks in. I can make sure that I can, I can help them with a problem, I solve that problem with them in our weekly one to one, or just in an informal catch up, or whatever it may be. And The number one thing I think that makes a very, very strong you know, leader opposed to a boss is that they're there problem solving. They're there you know, worrying every day about how you can get to the next level. You know, if if、um, our developers, for example, we didn't have fast enough internet this morning, like this just a very small problem that we had. And you know, I have to go figure that out. How are we going to get faster internet in the next like 10 minutes to make sure these guys can do it? So, we, you know, little problems like that. And then you have the bigger problems, which is, you know, we need to get、um, another 100,000 users in the next two weeks. How do we actually solve that? And so, I think the really big part of it, especially now,、um, in, in, you know, there's so many startups around, is you need to be nimble. You need to be able to move extremely quickly and you need to be able to problem solve. So, Rich built up a great team. And one of those people on the team of eight、uh, was Danny Loney. And he is a good friend of mine. He is, in fact, the reason why I know Rich. He introduced me.、Uh, Danny, the head of growth. And this great team had huge expectations.、Uh, but also remember that Rich has just raised、uh, about $800,000. And with his track record, the investors are expecting big. He's expecting big. And so that immediately puts a lot of pressure on growth in the company. And、uh, that's one of the big challenges I think they had. So, I mean, this is the thing, hey, everyone's talking at the moment about how do you discover apps? Because there's so many startups out there, there's so many、um, you know, apps that are launching, and the App Store has you know, probably over、um, you know, a million or a few million apps in there, and there's more launching every week. So, how do you get out above that noise and actually make people want to download your app? And a lot of it is, you know, the first thing is create. I look at it like SEO. Everyone, when I was at Google, would say, hey, well, how do I make sure that people are finding my website? And the number one thing is make a brilliant website. So for me, the advice is with an app, you know, if you're trying to get above the noise, it's create a brilliant app that's solving a problem that people are actually going to want to use. And if you can do that, you can get press out of it, you can get investment out of it. 
and hopefully you will get Apple to feature you as well. And then there's also obviously all the paid channels you can go through. But growth hacking is something we spend a tremendous amount of our time on. And it's really exciting because you can figure, you know, you probably do 500 growth hacks every few months and probably, you know, 499 or even 500 of those will fail. But you're going to find that one, maybe it's your, you know, 1500th growth hack and that could work and that could suddenly get you a million users. And so it's just you know, trial and error and trial and error and figuring out what works, what doesn't work. And you've got to make sure you're having a lot of fun along the way, because if you're not enjoying it, then there's not much point in doing it. So this is where we get to a pivotal moment in the story, because uh, any app entrepreneur will tell you that uh, launching an app, raising money, it's high risk. And many of the investors are chasing those hockey stick growth type of ventures, those startups. And so uh, Rich uh, did follow his own advice and uh, put as much money as he could in the team. Uh, as you can imagine, hiring in London is a very expensive venture and the team of eight probably took up most of his investment money. And over a, a period of uh, two to three months, I know that they did try and have a real push for marketing, spending about fifteen dollars to $20,000 on those growth hack strategies. Um, but you can certainly learn from the story uh, how hard it is to gain traction and try to compete with uh, the likes of Facebook, Google, Apple, uh, Apple's default apps. It's um, it's incredibly hard. And uh, I think that um, in terms of hiring uh, in central London, then uh, one of the big challenges is to how, to how to recoup that cost from the outset. Coming up, we talk about what happened with the various growth hacks that Rich Pleath employed, including a really fascinating theme with Richard Branson. And also, we talk about his fight for survival with SUP. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. First is TopTel. TopTel is a network of the world's best developers and designers. These are people that have been rigorously vetted before they've even been allowed to join the TopTel network. Now, what sets TopTel apart is the network of quality talent. At the same time, they have the world's best network of the best developers and designers, and TopTal also have a hands-on matching process that helps ensure that you get connected with the best individuals from their network. Once you begin to work with uh, any individual from TopTal, they'll always back you up with a no-risk trial of up to two weeks in length. And this is where you simply have the opportunity to work with an individual developer or a designer as part of your team. And if you should feel that there is something missing or that TopTal aren't really working, uh, then you can just uh, tell them and they will cover the costs of the developer or designer. So it's a wonderful service. You can try it uh, for this two weeks period and I think you will love it. That's why they sponsor this show and that's why I'm happy to uh, talk about them. And I now encourage you to go to uh, this link. It's toptal.com forward slash pool. toptal.com forward slash pool. Go and check it out. It's highly worth uh, finding the world's best developers and designers in this one place. Thank you very much to Toptal for supporting this episode. Next is GummyCube. GummyCube are fantastic when it comes to app store optimization. Let me tell you about three things. One is that 63% of all apps are discovered by app store search, which is highly relevant. Second, most search queries in mobile do not match the web search. 
So you need to get your data from the app stores when doing all this app store optimization. And third is targeting the right keywords helps increase installs. So to find out how you stack up, go to gummycube.com, gummycube.com, learn about app store optimization, learn about how they can help you get more installs, more downloads and rank for the right keywords. Thank you very much to gummycube.com for supporting the show. So now let me get back to the story of SUP. Welcome back to the App Guide podcast. I'm your host, Paul Kemp. Before the break, we were talking about the story of SUP. This is by the founder, Rich Pleath, and he'd worked uh, for various uh, high-profile companies like uh, he was marketing at Google, uh, really behind the Google Chrome browser. And also he was uh, behind uh, uh, the Get Taxi, which is a billion-dollar taxi app and competes with companies like Uber. And then he uh, really had the urge to start his own startup and started SUP with a team. And he had great investment and he had everything going for him. And remember, we talked about the idea behind SUP and he was in an airport and happened to fly out and miss an opportunity to connect with someone in his network, someone that would have really transformed his business. So he wanted to bring an app that would help you connect and have kind of one-off face-to-face coffees with people uh, within walking distance of the app, but without that creepy feeling of being stalked all the time. So he created SUP. And we went through his story, the rise of SUP. And in this part, we're going to be talking about the uh, growth hacks that he employed uh, and also then his fight for survival with SUP. So what I'm learning about this story from Rich Pleath of SUP is the importance of being really well connected. And that's a really long running theme in the App Guy podcast. And we've talked about this a lot. Look at these investors who actually invested £649,000, about $850,000 in the company. Uh, He had uh, Richard Reed, John Wright, Alex Chesterman, who's actually the founder and CEO of Zoopla. Zoopla is a really uh, massive property website and property app. And they reckon it's valued uh, over a billion dollars. And so uh, he had some really strong backers uh, of uh, SUP. And he was able to then use uh, that money to um, have a team. But uh, he did spend some money on uh, growth marketing. And the thing with Richard Branson is that Richard Branson, uh, during the year of 2016, uh, run a competition called Business Voom. And that was pretty high profile. As you can imagine, everything that Richard Branson has done is high profile. In fact, I remember uh, in my claim to success uh, when I was working in the city, I uh, was invited to Richard Branson's house. He's got a nice house in Oxford. He has an uh, annual party for his uh, employees and uh, high profile guests and stuff. And I was luckily uh, invited and uh, it was just a lovely experience. Uh, managed to spend a little bit of time with him. So uh, he knows how to get a lot of profile uh, for his projects and Business Voom was all over the place, uh, advertising on billboards and uh, train stations and everywhere you walked, you were applying for Voom. So Rich uh, actually did apply for Voom and uh, he managed to uh, galvanize uh, a lot of uh, support and a lot of upvotes. Uh, but sadly did not get through to win. And the other thing Rich did is that he managed to pay influencers to mention SUP, and especially influencers in the Snapchat world who were putting videos out uh, about it. And uh, also uh, uh, quite cleverly, and this is something that kind of translated into the real physical world, uh, in that uh, 
they went round uh, on some of the streets in London, uh, spray painted SUP, download the app on the floor, uh, on the pavements. And, uh, you know, like obviously that's a very uh, clever way of marketing, um, certainly uh, thinking outside the box. So over the months, SUP did continue to run and he, uh, Rich was fighting for survival. I know that they were thinking about uh, trying to create other apps to support a revenue stream. Uh, but of course, when you've taken, you know, like that much money, there are high expectations, high levels of growth and, and investors do know the risks that are involved. And of course, when you start running out of money, the uh, natural reaction is to go out and fundraise again. And of course, that does take money in itself. You have to uh, take investors out to dinner, uh, try and uh, get through to them. Uh, and of course, that is investment in itself. Uh, it's really, really tough, as a lot of you can imagine listening to this. And of course, in Rich's words, uh, having a startup is like having a baby. It's like your own girlfriend. And uh, he poured everything into it. I mean, at the times that I spoke with him, he was hugely enthusiastic about the idea. His team were unbelievably uh, enthusiastic and motivated uh, to change the world through SUP. Even though you have these huge amounts of motivation, you've got um, the money that you uh, think you need to be able to get the idea out there and get some traction. Uh, Rich started to realize that uh, it's a very sad occasion, but it, uh, it was coming um, to an end. And uh, in the UK, you know, we don't sometimes think of failure as in the way in the US do, uh, that it's um, a kind of uh, a badge of honor. Uh, it is um, hard. I can imagine it was extremely hard for Rich to make those phone calls to those uh, high profile investors saying, hey, look, we've lost your money. Sorry about that. And, you know, I, I also think that Brexit must have had an issue as well, because uh, the, Rich was talking with uh, some international companies before the vote on Brexit. So what lessons can we learn then from the failure of SUP? Because, you know, I wanted to do this story in that we very rarely hear about failures. Uh, it's almost always biased towards successes. And then we have this whole culture towards uh, putting uh, people on uh, a pedestal, uh, treating them as gurus, and that we have every uh, chance of almost achieving their success. You know, the likes of uh, Richard Branson, who we've already mentioned, uh, who I've uh, admired over the years of my life. And of course, uh, Elon Musk and all these other uh, gurus uh, that are uh, out there and unbelievably changing the world and huge successes. But of course, there are, for every one Elon Musk and Richard Branson, there are tens of thousands, hundreds of, th hundreds of thousands, in fact, probably millions of failures. And we just don't dedicate any amount of time towards uh, those stories and towards uh, focusing on this. And if you are entering the startup world, if you are one of these uh, newbie uh, entrepreneurs, I think they call them, or uh, if you are, uh, you know, just wanting to make a break and be like me and uh, be boss free, you have to know the reality that it is incredibly hard, challenging, and there is more chance of failure than success. And in, if you think about the story, Rich really did have everything going for him, a hugely focused, motivated team, a great idea on paper, sounded fantastic. Uh, I actually did tell a lot of people about it and uh, just everything going for him. And, and sadly, it was probably the lack of focus on revenue 
that uh, came back and ultimately ended up with failure. So want to say thank you to Rich Pleath and his team uh, for uh, introducing me to the uh, app, to uh, him coming on the show and sharing the story, and also uh, to Business Insider, who, who I sourced a, a lot of this information from as well. Don't let this uh, story of failure put you off. If you are passionate enough, I'm sure that Rich will come back and he will then try something else. I mean, if it's in your blood, it just happens to be something you can't put down. So do take this story of SUP as Uh, something you can learn by. Do learn from other people's failures and you probably have to go through your own, I know, but uh, in terms of making the mistake of not focusing solely on revenue from the outset and thinking that an app will take off and become the next Instagram and be worth billions. I mean, it's obviously a great story to tell investors, but I think investors are now changing their tune and you have to focus probably more on revenue from the outset, which is obviously very hard. And so do take this story as motivation, but with a sense of a reality check. Thanks very much to the team of SUP and uh, look forward to getting another episode to you shortly. Bye for now.